Hey, everybody. It's Peter Thomas, Fortital guest hosting on this week's show for Spencer Luganbuhl, who we're giving him Thanksgiving week off. Why not? I'm out here in San Diego. Had a really fun day at the track yesterday with my friend Benny Southstreet, and he's going to be here as we talk about races two, three, and six from yesterday, Sunday, November 24th at Del Mar Races. This is Redboard Rewind. Thomas Fornital back with you on Redboard Rewind, joined by my friend, trip handicapping expert, Benny Southstreet. Benny, how are you today? Excellent, Pete. Thank you so much for having me. A lot of fun uh, hanging out with you over at Del Mar yesterday. Here we are in the hotel room. By coincidence, my hotel, uh, just minutes from where you reside here in lovely Carlsbad, California, America. Is that right? It's probably a driver, a three-wood, three and then a wedge. <laughs> and you've played... Uh, golf here many times it sounds like i i, I have i've probably yeah 200 ish <laughs> that's unbelievable are you a member still or are you at a different club now uh i i gave up golf uh when when i had uh my my last child uh who's now five so about six years ago i quit golf that's unbelievable you just quit cold turkey yep that's do you miss it uh i'll play occasionally but i i was playing a lot of golf back then um before we decided to to have a child, I was playing four days a week. You know, it's an all day thing too. So I would I would go to the club uh, early, warm up, play golf, and then inevitably end up throwing bones with the boys, <laughs> drinking in the in the men's grill at at the farms in Rancho Santa Fe, and oh it ended up being a ten hour day. And when you're doing that like four days a week doesn't go well when you go home oh no that would not go well at all now did you were you doing racing at the same time as you were doing golf or was it one as golf as horse racing replaced golf no I, I i'm a creature of of compulsive habit i'll go hard with one thing and then i'll and then i'll put everything else aside so there, there wasn't really a whole lot of racing back then maybe a, a, a contest here or there but yeah, when you when you're spending that much time at a golf course, there, there's not much time for anything else, unless never, you want to sign papers. Which <laughs> I've been divorced once. I don't need to. I don't need to do it again. Not not one. Not an activity you'd recommend. No, it's not. It's not a fun. Oh my goodness gracious! I didn't put that together. That your big run in the contest world. I became aware of you probably 2015. This was you. You had basically just done the segue, I guess, from golf into being a little more obsessed with racing. Probably good timing, yeah, right in there. That's yep. very funny. All right, let's talk about these races from yesterday. We were there sitting, my, one of my favorite spots at Del Mar, at the veranda. Is that typically where you hang out, or was that just because I was around and because our friend Billy Koch had a table up there? Yeah, I, I'm usually not up uh, on the railing. Billy's got a great table or two there. Um, I'm a peasant, so they stick me in the back, <laughs> which works well for me anyway because I burn really bad anyway. I've got very fair skin, so... That rail seat, you're, you're a little more uh, 
you're a little more prone to get sunburned. So. We, we protected ourselves yesterday more or less anyway. It doesn't seem like either one of us is too much the worse for wear. One of the races, I did the Frank Scatoni seminar in the morning. One of the races I was most interested on the day was race number two. It was a maiden claimer going five and a half on the dirt. And I was very interested in a pedigree angle in this race. Uh, the race on paper, I did full ability figures for it. And I had Norski well clear of the field on numbers. And this was the kind of horse that figured to get bet. In these maiden claimers, I like to look for horses who've run close to the par. Norski was the only one who'd run close to the par. And figured to be a heavy favorite who I thought might take some beating. Because even though the horse absolutely fit on numbers, this was a case for me where there was just nothing else exciting about the paper. This was a horse that was being bet largely by default, it seemed to me. And meanwhile, there was an interesting firster alternative in Fratelli, who had good works and an unusual pedigree for a Calbred being by Munnings, a horse we've talked about lots of times on the show. And for me, Jorge Parabon, I'll get to my angle on him, but there was a little bit of a trainer angle too. But what did you see at first when you were looking at the second race? I know, I know you had a clever uh, betting idea, but what did you think of the composition of, of the field as a whole? We're in complete agreement. I looked at the race, and, and I thought that uh, that the favorite was deserving. Um, and similar to your pedigree analysis, uh, I, I love the Munnings as well. Um, my software had it as extremely strong, obviously, Munnings, and, and it shows up in a, in a claimer. That, it was a potential negative, but so I, I had two opinions. Um, one was that I thought the rail horse – Darkhawk would make the try um, or, or the super. And my other opinion was that one of those two horses would win, those being Norski or your first-timer, uh, which was Fratelli. So I made, uh, made two bets. Um, I, uh, I put the first-timer, Fratelli, on top of uh, Darkhawk uh, and Norski to all in the try. And then my other opinion was Norski would, would probably either win or run out. And so I played a straight exacta. There was no value in having uh, Fratelli in second with, with, a, with a strong odds-on horse on top. So I played a Norski over Darkhawk uh, exacta. Interesting. I want to talk to you about the win-or-run-out theory because I love that with horses. But I actually didn't envision that for Norski here. My interest in the race was much more horizontal. I wasn't thinking about verticals. But I wanted to, to ask you what, you, what about Norski made you think he could run out? Because I feel like on numbers, this looked like a horse that had to be somewhere. Well, let me backtrack, backpedal a little bit. I, I did have Norski second, uh, in, sec in the second position behind the first-timer. So my thinking was if the first-timer is really good and can beat Norski, that, that, that lands me, that lands Norski in the place position for me. Um, but I, w I didn't believe that Norski would run third. There was just nobody, and I, I didn't believe that two horses were going to beat him. Um, so that's why I tossed him in that spot. Interesting. Um, yeah. You mentioned your software. How much of that are you willing to go into? We talked in the other show about your trip handicapping, obviously, and how you use 
formulator. How much are you willing to talk about the, the computer program that you use to assist you? And how much do you rely on the computer program as opposed to your own paper handicapping in the form? Well, I combine the two. So this is the science part of it. And the art part of it for me would be uh, the replays and, and finding things in the form that, I, that hopefully I can find that maybe others can, that others don't. Um, so it's kind of the, the science meets art. I use HTR, uh, which is a software uh, developed, I believe, by Ken Massa. Yep. And um, I use a, a velocity portion of that, and I, and I filter it the way that I want so I can, if I don't like the races that they've selected, which, I, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure how they Let me explain that. Yep. So this software, it's using, um, I guess it's the Sartan methodology, and very much... I think Tom Brohammer, who wrote, of course, the great book, Modern Pace Handicapping, might have even had something to do with the design. We'll have Ken Massa on at some point. He's publicity resistant to some degree, but he's a great guy and always enjoy talking to him. He has a lot of terrific ideas about handicapping. But in those methodologies, as espoused in Modern Pace Handicapping, there's the idea that you pick a pace line from a horse's PPs to key off of. Now, HDR has two different ways. And I'm not a regular HDR user, but I've used it from time to time. I like it a lot. The, probably the reason I don't use it currently is I just look at so much other stuff and it's one more thing. But I, I get where you're coming from with this. There's two ways that the pace line can be picked. Uh, one has to do more with recency. One has to do more with a body of work. But you don't like to use either of those. You like to go through and pick your own pace line. In other words, tell the computer, I want to key off this race. It may be a race four back for you. It may be a race six back. It may be the last race. But a lot of different things go into your decision to use a race. Correct. You want me to get into that? A little bit. <laughs> okay. So th there are certain things that uh, that HTR does that, that I'll ignore. Um, for example, a pace might be slow. That's going to inflate all late numbers, right? So you have to be cognizant of that. Um, conversely, if a pace is fast, um, it can work in the in the exact opposite direction. So I try to find lines that, that there, are, there are par numbers. Uh, I try to find lines that are close to par, and then I, I can go through and check how fast they're running feet per second. I think it's a it's a more fair barometer because a lot of times if you're looking for the fastest horse in the last quarter of a mile, for example, it's almost always going to be the horse that's coming out of the slowest run race early. So you've got to pay attention to that. So I'll ignore it. In this case in particular, there was only one race to go off of. So Darkhawk uh, Dark was, uh, he had one, one race where he had run against thoroughbreds and the others weren't, they weren't even accessible. So Right, because he'd been running in a quarter horse race. Right, right. But that thoroughbred race, he had, he had broken slow. And the the par for the race was faster, or rather, his the race that he was coming out of um, was faster early than the par that he was going to be in, and it was also faster late. So when he made up the ground that he did, uh, and it showed that he was running almost two feet per second faster than any everybody in the race uh, for a quarter of a mile, that's that's a big amount. And then if there's another segment in there that, that judges the middle part of the race, and he was also fastest in that. Um, now, granted, he, he did come from, from well back in that race, so you would expect that number to be good. But when it's this obvious, which, which this one was, it was kind of like an, an automatic play. Like, to me, there, 
he was going to be in the super. And this horse is, we're talking about a horse is 14 to 1 yep. as well. Yeah. The market was interesting, and I was really curious to see the market, and I screwed this up. In, your betting was smart here. My betting was stupid. Um, because what happened is I love Fratelli, and he was my lone A in the early pick five. But when the race came around, we're socializing, discovering that they have bottle service up at the veranda, or at least they do when you <laughs> bring in your own like you did and revisiting your scofflaw days as we talk about at length on the other show but anyway we're socializing and instead of being totally prepared and knowing what price fratelli approximately was going to go off at from having looked at the doubles i was just i was flying by the seat of my pants and it was very important to me to see fratelli get bet and that is because of a little bit of a research project i did about Jorge Parabon and his first-time starters. Because his overall numbers, not very good at all. But when you filter and you look at Parabon runners that get bet, it says arbitrary, but we'll say less than 4-1, to one, the numbers get much, much better. It's Obviously, any trainer is going to have their bet horses. They're going to win more than they're not bet horses. But when I looked at the number, it was striking to me how much better those bet runners were. And for me, I wanted to be alone to Fratelli if Fratelli was going to be bet. And if Fratelli wasn't going to be bet, I wanted to have at least as much with Norski. Just because, even though I wasn't excited by him, I mean, the horse was 4-5 to in the market and just looked like the horse, for me, had to be somewhere. So, anyway, early on, I see 4-1 to Fratelli, and I say, eh... I probably want to do something with Norski here to back up the bet I made in the pick five. And I ended up playing not very much, but doubles going forward, Norski to the runners that I liked in race number three, which we'll get to in a minute. Had I waited and seen the money come late for Fratelli going into to, uh, five to two, I, I definitely should have taken that money that I wasted on Norski and put it on Fratelli either in those doubles or even just a win bet, honestly. I got a little too cute as far as that goes. All right, let's hear how race two played out. And away they go. All appeared to come out well, and Severin took up shortly after the start. Caldervale along the inside, but now Fratelli in the blinkers. Fratelli gets the lead. On the far side is Lucky Wally, Wildcat Canyon kicking through at the Royal Creed's Revengers in the green colours. Just in behind that comes Dark Hawk, who's seven off the leaders, Severin on the far side. Norski is back second last, Norski gives an eight-length start, Imperator is last. Into the turn they go, and Fratelli going easy up front, Fratelli by two. Caldervale is in second, Lucky Wally on the far side. Then comes Wildcat Canyon. Severin is now six off the leader. Then comes Dark Hawk. And let's see, Norski's a long, long way back and been ridden along. And Norski's not really doing anything with a quarter of a mile to go. They turn for home and this one's all Fratelli. Fratelli's opened up now to lead it by six big lengths. Caldervale is chasing from second. But it's going to be Fratelli out here moving like a winner. And Fratelli and Tyler Bays never gave them a chance. Dark Hawk ran on second, then Caldervale and Wildcat Canyon. Well, there you have it. We got to feel smart for a minute. Fratelli gets the job done. But much more importantly, 
for you, Benny. It comes Fratelli Darkhawk, Calder Vale, two to one over fourteen to one over nineteen to one. That inclination you had about Norski ends up paying big money because this fifty cent trifecta came back at two hundred and sixty dollars. You had it a few times, and uh, drinks were on you the rest of the day. What did you think of this race as it was playing out? Uh, it looked good. I mean, the, the the seven cleared for fun was jogging, and the three was getting buried at the fence and and steadying back to last. So, uh, headed into the far turn, I, I thought I had a chance to take something really good down. The seven looked gone. It was just a matter of the one sneaking up into the into the try at that point, which. Uh, we cheered him home. That, that <laughs> we, we got him up late. <laughs> there was a lot of hollering on the veranda at that point. Less for for my bet, which was kind of a foregone conclu- conclusion. That was one of these races right out of the gate. You just you wished you could have bet a lot more on Fratelli because it didn't look like Norski was going to do anything, and, and Fratelli looked like he just had to break to to win. The best part about the bet was that when I when I called it off, I didn't know what I was getting into and the lady's looking at me asking for the 320 bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> let me, let me, let me see if I can find, I don't even know if I have that much money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, it's funny. And I, I didn't, I didn't share this with you yesterday. Oh, geez. Here we but, go. So, so I bet my, I bet my exacta first, my Norski to dark car exacta and, uh, walked away from the window, went back, played my try and that's where I'm trying to pull not lint from my pocket which is what I had at the time and yet I went to a self-service machine I wanted to cancel it and and get half of my money back because I'm like you know what I don't, I don't really like it this much I'm gonna I'm gonna play this a few less times and it wouldn't let me it oh, said the results are not in. Oh, that's funny. And I said, all right, well, maybe it's maybe this is a winning ticket. Maybe, maybe somebody's trying to tell me I need to hold on to this. So oh, my goodness. That's when I walked back out onto the veranda to watch the race. So had I, had I canceled it, it would have cost me, uh, well, maybe I had it 50 cents more. I don't know. Something yeah, like I'm, I'm going <laughs> to guess it was a little more than that. A very nice result. Always good when a winning day is assured at race number three. Did you have the temptation at that point? You've talked about how sometimes when you go to the track and you win early, you think you're King Kong and start taking massive swings. On this day, I know that you hadn't done the same level of work on the later races in the card. Um, Part of the reason why we're focusing on races two, three, and six here and not something later. Did that... Why did you not blow it yesterday? What what fact? What were the factors? Well, friendship, right? We were out there having a good time. So, uh, I had a couple couple friends come up and and say hey, and Billy showed up, and we were running back and forth to the winter circle oh and the goodness. veranda. It was the right day to hang out with the Little Red Feather crew, wasn't it? it? Absolutely was. Uh, winning two races at Del Mar, winning another race back at Aqueduct. Congratulations to Gary Fenton and Billy Koch and all the partners really enjoyed meeting uh, their buddy Todd yesterday and extremely kind of them to invite me down to the winner's circle twice. I, I felt that it would have been churlish to not accept. <laughs> I, I, I have to be honest. I, I need a dictionary when, when I say with you. <laughs> all right, let's move on to race number three. We're going a mile on the turf for allowance horses. This is a race I think you and I both saw it pretty similarly. I actually gave ability figures only to the first four runners in here. I wanted to beat Excellent Sunset because I didn't 
think that she had that much of an advantage over the one and the four in this race, or, or the three for that matter. And I, last time, I just thought she hung and she had kind of a pack animal look. That was a good setup. It was identified as a flow downgrade on the racing flow data that I use. You could see that also looking at the pace coding on Timeform US. On numbers, she absolutely had to be used. And I was happy to have all of the one, two, three, and four on some iterations of my pick fives. But in uh, in the other wagers I made, I was much thicker to the three maxim rate and the four don't blame judy nothing too clever on either one of those for me i was a little worried about don't blame judy being too far back but she just fits so much on numbers i actually had her highest rated on ability figures i had her at an 88 uh, that was my my number i came up with looking at her for more on ability figures it's all we cover it in great detail in mike maloney's book betting with an edge Maxim Rate was the one that I mentioned on Frank's show, who I just thought looked classy, wasn't disgraced from a tough post at Keeneland or two back against Cambier Park. And I thought the work tab was interesting. The last work looked a lot better to me. And my sort of macro note on the race was any of the first four can win, but Maxim Rate might offer the most value. What did you think of this race heading in? We, we landed on similar horses. Um... I'd like to, uh, the favorite who, who I couldn't, uh, I couldn't completely dismiss just because of the equipment change. Um, I thought that the, uh, her form cycle might be rounding into form a little bit. She had, she had fired a huge number, uh, off a layoff. And then I thought maybe she, she might've bounced a little bit on, on the race going a mile and a quarter. And, and she was probably outclassed in that one anyway. Uh, she did get a, a pace set up last time. Um, but she ran home okay, and, and I, I thought that the blinkers would keep her in, in a good stocking spot. Uh, it, there didn't look to be a whole lot of speed in here, and I, and I thought she'd sit the best trip out of all of them. Um, but I, I did think that she would need a little help. The, the one that I liked the most was Don't Blame Judy. Um, not a big big Victor fan anymore. Uh, on grass, he tends to he just he's a little bit he gets a pass he he's he's had some stuff with his health oh well, for sure obviously so you're not criticized i mean as, no, a, not, as a man what an amazing yes, story yes but i know what you're saying just in the, you know you're betting money here and you can't you can't just bet on the guy because you like the guy and, exactly yeah. exactly so uh, i'm a little bit hesitant to 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 swing hard with him on grass because i know he's going to be usually out out in the parking lot somewhere um but that was my strongest opinion my, i had very very strong late numbers on him, and I, and I thought if the out, outside horse uh, who was getting blinkers sh showed enough speed to, to, to press harmless, um, Victor's horse, don't blame Judy, would get, a, would get a good trip even from well back. I don't think I thought about the pace enough in this race as I, as I look back. I mean, you make such a good point about excellent sunset and adding the blinkers and the way, as I look at my little pace map that I basically just stole from Timeform US for this race, she was just going to get such a good trip uh, that, and you know, bet as much as she was. And she was buried at the windows, three to five in the end. But uh, looking at it again, I, I didn't think enough about who might be in front of her. You know, I had horses who were all going to be, I mean, the, the three and the four projected to be more or less last and second to last on the stuff that I'm looking at. And I didn't, I didn't hold that against them at all. I noticed that looking at this race. 
let's talk about how you bet this race and then we will play the call. I know you had picks going. Did you do anything vertically here? No, I, I was uh, just pick fives. So gotcha. Was live. Uh, I love playing the pick fives for that reason. When when you when you're live, you don't have to head back to the window. So I sat on my hands in this one. And you're uh, you just had the two and the four. Yes. All right. Let's see how it turned out at Del Mar yesterday. And away they go. Harmless got a flyer, and Harmless sets off for the lead. Excellent sunset. Fiery lady taken back down at the rail. Here's Miss Painter coming up on the outside at joint second. Melissa Jane is in the red cap. Fiery lady's now dropped back into six. Behind that comes Don't Blame Judy, and Rennie's lady is last. Eight off the leader. Into the turn they go now, and Harmless got that flyer and takes advantage of it. Leads it just over a length. Not in any hurry out here. Miss Paintour is in second. Excellent Sunset is a close-up third, and then Maxim Rate. Melissa Jane in the red cap, only three and a half off the leaders. Fiery Lady at the back of the leading group. Don't blame Judy as second last, six off the leader. Rennie's Lady is last. They head to the half-mile pole and still Harmless on the lead, three parts of a length. Miss Paintour right there, second. Maxim Rate on the far side, an excellent sunset, nice and relaxed in fourth. Excellent sunset, three off the leader. Then comes Fiery Lady, Melissa Jane is losing ground. Don't blame Judy, has seven to make up and Rennie's Lady is last. Coming now to the three-eighths pole and Harmless goes on with it. Now excellent sunset, just needs room at the rail in the blue colours. Don't blame Judy, is let loose in the white cap. Maxim Rate is in with a shot too. Here, homeward bound and Harmless is the leader. Excellent sunset, hooks off the rail and comes after her in the blue blinkers. Don't blame Judy on the outside, fiery lady getting involved late. Harmless is all heart on the lead, keeps going. Harmless to excellent sunset. Harmless, excellent sunset, don't blame Judy right there. That one's close. Harmless, excellent sunset, don't blame Judy, a fiery lady was fourth. Wow, that was a tough one. I I missaw the race. We were sitting out on the veranda watching on the tote infield screen. And the whole length of the stretch, I was expecting Don't Blame Judy to get up for us. And in fact, she was in front after the wire. I sort of misjudged where the wire was I, I, the, the, between the angle and the sun and the whiskey. I... <laughs> <laughs> I just had this one wrong. I thought there was a chance we were in good shape. You knew we were in trouble. Um, it turns out that Harmless goes wire to wire. Harmless, a horse that I had projected as the leader, didn't give any count to, wasn't paying attention to the fact that the rails were at 24 feet. Uh, was this a case of pace makes the race, do you think, with Harmless getting the job done at 13 to 1? What do you think happened here? Let's, let's take some time and analyze this one. Yeah, well, first things first, Victor blew the race, just how I thought he might. He he. That sounds a little harsh, but you think that's fair? I, I do. I think he blew uh, – well, I do think he blew the race. Maybe it's harsh that uh, this that I said I knew he would. That's not true. I mean, I bet the horse, so – Exactly. Um, so who's fault I do is think it he really? did. I, I do think he did. Uh, you could hear me yelling, left hand, left hand, left hand. They're coming off the turn. I don't know why these guys do this, but – when that stretch comes, I don't know why they they always have it in their right hand. Jockeys should have the whip in their left hand when they're coming off the turn. Um, I thought I thought this Philly. Tell us why that is. Let's pause. this is some down the rabbit hole stuff, but that's what this show's all about. I mean, I was assuming you you don't you go right handed there to help the lead switch. I, I don't. You know, 
I don't believe so. I, 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 I mean, think, you know more about this than me. I just think it's an interesting conversation. I'm no oarsman. Well, she she kind of gets a little prima donna, right? She's she's laying in on the horses to her inside, and I, and I feel like if these guys get away from the horses that they're passing a little bit, you know, even a, even a half a path, they level off so much easier. It's it's a relaxing it's a relaxing take to to be a little bit away from horses. So you could see she was running. She was going to run by those horses. Yes. All I wanted him to do was to get her to, to level quicker, which is a straighter path. She just kind of she kind of started to lean a little in a little bit. And sure enough, when he hit her left-handed, he cracked her left hand a couple times. She leveled perfectly and she was blowing by. He just I think it was a tactical error. I mean, he, he the, the chart goes nose nose, right? So there's three noses on the wire, and yeah. it, it probably cost her a half, is my guess. So it, it was a it was a losing mistake, um, in my opinion. But four races on the turf yesterday all went wire to wire. Um, you said on the other show you didn't think it was a bias. But it certainly didn't hurt to be on the lead. And, it, it, yes. you know, no, noticing also that the rails were at 24 feet, it, it's hard to think that it, it didn't, that being on the lead wasn't worth half a length or something, you know, may, maybe not de- going to determine the outcome of every race. Yep. Dictate, but it, it, it sure feels to me like uh, it, it's something I'll pay attention to. I'll be more inclined to bet horses who are closing on the turf from yesterday than I will to be betting horses who are on the lead. That's fair. And in hindsight, the mistake here for me is the pace analysis itself. I, I was too quick to look at the outside and see the blinkers and say, okay, there's going to be something going on up there. The reality is is that it's a short field, right? There's only eight horses in the race, and sp- speed duels don't typically develop on the turf the way that they do on the dirt. And Valdivia, uh, who was riding the six, who I thought might get caught up in a, in a little pace battle there with the, the eventual winner, Harmless, he's a, very, he's a patient rider anyway, and drawn to the outside, it made more sense that that this horse would not go, and it, and it played out in a way that that we should have seen coming, and and we didn't. It looked to me that Miss Paintor the six did show speed early. Did he? I'm trying to remember the race now. Did he wrang? Did Valdivia wrangle back, or was she just not good enough? And maybe just as a matter of of habit, is it not wise of us to rely on a thirty to one shot to put the kind of pace pressure? that we were looking for her to put on harmless. You know, that when I look back and I see that the horse was, I mean, this is an uncharitable description, but I think horse players talk like this sometimes. I mean, she was a rag, right? She was not a horse you expected to have uh, a say in the outcome. And I think sometimes expecting horses, you don't have a say in the outcome to have a say in the pace. I I feel like we messed this up a little bit. We, no, we, we absolutely did. And, and that's what happened. Sadio rode a little bit more aggressively, and and uh, Valdivia seated right away. He, he let him have it, and, and the jockey that, that I love the most out there beat me. Went wire to wire and on a doddle, and they really flew home. So the, the horse, you know, she, the, the winner did her job. I mean, she, she got it her own way, and she, and she finished it the way she should have. She came home in sub-12 flat, so it was a, it's a real racehorse yes. effort. Talk about your love for Cedillo a little bit more. I just think he's an intelligent rider. Um, he... he he never seems to make a bad decision, in my opinion. On turf, he'll always he he can win from on the lead. He can win from off the lead. He's 
almost always covered up on grass. You can see him trying to find his way to the fence and save ground in turf racing. Um, and he's, he's a great dirt rider as well. Uh, he, he seems to have a clock in his head. Uh, I think he's pretty strong. Um, good hands, uh, good gate jockey. He, he is. He, he comes out of the gate well. I, I think these guys, if you're intelligent as a rider, you can do a lot of damage, and I know that he is. Um, so I've been saying for a long time, when he, when he was riding up at Golden Gate, I said, man, I'd love to get that guy down here. He, he's the third best rider in California. Interesting. Wow, that's high praise. And, I mean, I, I can see why you feel that way. In terms of horses to maybe bet back coming out of this race, what do you think? I mean, Excellent Sunset probably comes back as a big favorite again next time. Do you figure to be on board? Will you give Don't Blame Judy another chance? Uh, don't blame Judy. Uh, I'm divorcing. She she had it her own way. She had a good trip down at the rail. She she had a, a loose pocket trip um, and had a clear shot and just wasn't good enough. Uh, I'd be more inclined to bet Excellent Sunset. Uh, and, and Harmless would not be on any of my tickets moving forward. Assuming it would, you know, assuming these all come back in, in a similar class level against similar company. Sure. Um, Not holding you to it without yeah. knowing the composition of the field, but I do exactly. like to ask yep. that sometimes as a as a general question. Yeah. All right, let's talk about race number six. This let's not. <laughs> no, I'm going to make you because I saw your trip notes and I want to talk about them. Starter allowance six furlongs on the dirt. HDR has a fun feature where. It makes predictions about the strength of the favorite and the overall composition of a race. It'll sub sometimes it'll say that a race looks very chalky and the favorite looks dominant. Other times it goes all the way to the idea the outlook of a race is bombs away and the favorite is you know very vulnerable. I'm curious for race six yesterday what HTR said. Uh, the the they had the morning line favorite as being solid. Okay. And the outlook as mixed. Okay, mixed. That's Which makes sense, given how you and I ended up handicapping this race. Um, so on the seminar, I felt bad. When you do these seminars, you know, I want to go in there and I want to I go in with a pick. And when I did this race, I couldn't even really come up with ability figures for like half of them. Just uh, I just – I didn't have a good read – one thing I thought was going to be the case is that the 8 gate speed and the 10 next gen were going to be in front turning for home. And I had little angles on both of them. So gate speed, who I did think might have been uh, in the beneficiary of a bias last time. But I thought that the form of the last race was looking good. And again, I love the trip. With next gen... I also thought we had a horse who was going to be on or near. Claiming off Mandela, I did a little bit of digging. And I saw, because I figure, you know, you don't get rich claiming off trainers as good as Richard Mandela. And I did see that only four times in 32 starts in the sample I looked at had the horse claimed off Mandela one next out. But it did also stand out to me that two of those were at this class level, this starter allowance level, making me think that maybe, you know, with these lower, as many good horses as he has at the lower level, he's happy to move them along and have the space in the barn and maybe they can still go ahead and win at this level. So I had those things. I didn't trust these horses, but in my picks, my, they were my two A's. And then I reached for a handful of horses I wanted to use as backups. When I talked to Frank about it 
on air, he came up with two of the horses that I had X'd out as having a chance in here. And he specifically th- said he thought just he knows that the horses out here so much better than me. And he was like, this group of horses, I don't trust anything that's going to take any money. I want a bomb. I want a horse who's going to be running late and a collapse, and it could be won by a horse that doesn't fit at all on numbers. That was just his read on this as a race. And it was very appealing to me when he said it, and I threw in his two bombs. But in retrospect, it's a race that I I wish I'd been a little bit more creative. Let's hear your thoughts on this starter allowance that went as the sixth race at Del Mar yesterday. Well, I, I landed on the two favorites, which I hate I hate doing, but uh, you and I was, me both. I was I was convinced that either the eight or the ten had to win the race. I thought the eight was quickest. Uh, I didn't like I didn't like the others. Um, my numbers just didn't stack up, uh, and, and I felt very confident that that Gate Speed or Next Gen was going to win this race. The, being claimed off of Mandela didn't bother me so much. Ronus has. Just so much money, and this horse came back protected, and that was a that was enough for me. Gotcha. Uh, for me to think, you know, Sadler's, he's no dummy. I mean, if he wanted to get rid of this thing, he, he could. They could probably drop him in for a tag and know he's going to lose and and come out with some purse money and re- recoup some of that. But yeah, it's uh, I I don't even want to listen to this replay. <laughs> We're gonna get to it. Um, let's talk about the market really quick. Next gen was buried. Three to two in the end. Four to one for gate speed. Camby was bet very heavily into into four to one, which just surprised me. I just had I had Camby well behind the top two, so that was another little potential interest in the race for me was to to get drawn in. Anytime I could see a horse who's four to one that I just don't want for a penny, um, that's the kind of thing that'll draw me into a race. Did you have anything on that runner? No. All right. No, I mean, I'm, I'm looking back now. I, I didn't I didn't then, and I don't now. Gotcha. All right. Let's hear it. I'm going to make you listen, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Mm. And away they go. Along the inside, we have Ryan Schaff being ridden along for the lead. Gate speed in the red cap is right there as well. On the far side, it's Tis Time came out fast, took up a little bit there. Lord Adair has meanwhile gone up to race in second. Now here's Next Gen moving up to be a joint third, only two lengths off these leaders. In behind those two, we have Railman at the rail. He's six lengths off them. Gamby's at the back of the leading group. Then we come back to Silken Prince, and then last a long way is starring John Wayne. Into the turn they go, and Gatesby leads it by a length. Coming after him is Lord Adair in second. Next Gen is third. Next Gen three lengths off the leaders. Mayan Warriors now in the fourth position on the far side. It's Tis Time. And along the inside of that is Railman and Baby Gronk. They are coming to the top of the lane now. Lord Adair up to take the advantage. Next Gen is now sent after him. Has a few lengths to make up, though. They come for home, and it's still Lord Adair drifting out. He's getting weary, but hanging on. Lord Adair now hears it's Tis Time. It's Tis Time came out of nowhere. It's Tis Time up to win it. Next Gen was second. Close then for third. Baby gone can be. Lord Adair weakened that last 50. Didn't hit the board. There you have it. It's Tis Time gets the job done at 74 to 1, as Frank described in the seminar. A Whoop-dee-doo. race that just. <laughs> a 
race that just fell apart. He did not benefit from that opinion financially, I will point out. He bet the ones he gave out, neither of whom ended up getting the job done. Next Gen steadies early. That may have cost the race, I think, in the end. Uh, uh, just goes down half a length. Doesn't do us any good. But then the real fun started, Benny, when we <laughs> took a look back yeah, at your trip notes at this Ron McAnally runner. What did you see? Well, uh, at first I was pissed off that I that I missed because I I felt pretty confident going in that I wasn't gonna get, that I wasn't gonna miss this leg. So I I look back at my PPs and I said, okay, well let's see who won, which is <laughs> I think what we should all do, right? You, that's you that's what back, this show is all about. What did I miss? Did I yep. miss anything? Well, this horse was laid off for a year, and it yes, it was a year ago, and no, I would not have gone to the window with both fists, but. In his previous two races, I had very interesting notes on It's Tis Time. I'm going to make you read them. Go, start with two back. Well, I had uh, the race note that I had for – oh, two back? Yeah. Two back, this horse ran against Kershaw. I remember that race like it was yesterday because I was in a contest, and I loved Kershaw, and I bet every last penny that I had on Kershaw. And Kershaw won for fun, went wire to wire. And – the bias that I have on my form is F3I2, which is dominant front running, strong inside. Every horse that ran that day went wire to wire. And It's Tis Time was in last place on a dawdle and had zero chance of winning, was parked through the first turn and, and, and had zero chance and, and actually ran very well to be a clear second that day. So that was his last dirt race. So that's that's a pretty strong note for me. Um, and then in his most recent race, prior to the layoff, my trip note <laughs> says, worst ride ever, question mark. Have to see to appreciate. So then I found myself. <laughs> then I went back. And oh, I, you're a bad man. I, I popped up the replay. I and did I, watch it with you. And I... it's it's pretty bad. It was strange. I'll let you describe what you saw, but it just it seemed like uh, the horse was showing speed, chasing a horse that maybe he didn't want to be chasing, and the jockey, in an attempt to throttle him back off the speed, let's just say it wasn't done in such an elegant way, and the, the anchor got dropped, and, and at that point the race was over. Is that what you saw, or did you see worse than that? No, that's, that pretty much sums it up. It, it, was a, it was a pitiful ride, and... Such a bitter man. I am bitter. The horse was 74 to 1, and I should have used him in the pick five. The, the only saving grace here is that I did not have the winner of the last race, so I know I wouldn't have hit my bet anyway. But at the time, I was pretty dark. That's, that's interesting. So this is a situation where, looking back, you don't feel regretful that you didn't have some win money. This is just a horse you feel like you should have used in the pick. Yeah, I, I love to play uh, horizontally and – you won't find me betting too many 70-to-1 shots to win, but if I think they've got a, a puncher's chance, I'll toss them into a pick five, which is, you know, which is, uh, that's enough for me. I mean, you, you turn that 70-to-1 into thousands-to-1, so that's what I would have done. It would have been a very easy spot in retrospect, as strong as I thought Shandling was in race five for our little red feather friends, to have some doubles, even to do a weighted double to all here. I feel like that's the direction I should have gone with. Just the idea of instead of handicapping the horses in this race, 
I wish I'd gone with Frank's idea of handicapping the race as a whole, identifying it as one where something crazy could have happened. And maybe, you know, maybe in my late horizontals, I still just stick with my 8 and 10 who I came up for my top picks. But, you know, why not a weighted double to all to take advantage and try to cut some money out of this if I was wrong about the, the main opinion? I, I or Or how about read your notes idiot i mean you spend all this time making these notes you get up early you're gonna crush it you're gonna outwork everybody you make all these notes you've got two great notes and i i, I don't even know where did i go wrong i, I don't even know what i was doing well, i must... feel like you should have bet to I, I feel like with those notes a token win bet I mean, you throw it's a not lazy like we 20 didn't... at the thing you, you, you hit, you know? I, I know. <laughs> 70 I know. to yeah, 1. <laughs> I know. You're right. I mean, I, look, there's no monopoly on stupid. I, I laid an egg. I should have I got involved in some. I'm just upset with myself that I didn't look at the back half of the car the way I should have. You saw me over there. I was cramming. I was trying to get out of the sun so I could see my computer. And I'm, There's no cramming for this test. No. This is, that's how you fail tests. You cram, right? And and I was over there cramming, and I and I didn't read the note. Um, and even if I had, if I had used this horse, I could have gotten to the last leg and and hedged with those that I didn't have and a forty to one shot one. In that case, I I could have had a hundred dollars to win on that last horse, even even though I didn't like it. So I could have played against, but oh well. I'm wondering if it was just thinking about some of these winners who won on turf. Maybe it was a bit biased. Maybe, but they crawled. They crawled in in the third race. Um, they crawled in the last race. Both were not contested at all. They okay. were clear by more than a length. And and those were the two price horses that won. And and the other two that went wire to wire where they where they did go Very faster logical. early. They were they were yeah. logical. Horses. North Country guy. That's the other thing. I mean, I had a strong. I had strong top picks in race five and race seven. And I knew this race had the potential to fall apart, and I didn't hit it. So I just feel it's one of those that I'm not, I'm not pleased with myself. I didn't have that. Obviously, I wasn't looking at your trip notes. I'd like to think if I'd read your trip notes, the horse definitely would have been uh, thrown in. But, I mean, you make some good points. When you go out there live, you're doing it to have some fun, and you're going to miss things that you, you don't miss at home. I mean, at home in a contest, I mean, don't you have to use that horse? You know, uh, I'm I'm like really close to vomiting on my keyboard right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm 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 searching. Please don't. You already got in trouble with Susan <laughs> once. If you puke in the room, it's going to be horrendous. I, I, I'm looking at, at at HTR and the velocity and this horse in a route on that dirt race against the bias is comfortably fastest in the stretch. Oof. So and and they they've got a they've got an energy number on here which which gives 13 percent which makes him roughly. You know, eight to one with no takeout. So they're making this horse seven to one ish. Oh my gosh! And he went seventy four to one. <laughs> well, I, I'm I just dry. I'm dry heaving. Okay, right okay. Keep it keep it clean over there. That is that is unreal. Well, before I let you go, your general thoughts on the all ball. Will you ever throw one up there? All ball is in using all. all. Yeah, using all. Uh, I I do. Uh, I don't do it often. Um, but to me, it's not worth... Uh, I can't tell you how many times when I was younger where I, I would use everybody but two and get beat. And by the way, one of those two is the one that's going to make you that score anyway. It's it's worth, it's worth that extra investment. I mean, 
the way I look at it is if if you're going to put that much money into a race anyway, then I then I would throw in those last couple. Um, I've I made some good scores having the all button. I mean, yesterday, right? I used had, all in the try. Right. I, I had no opinion. My, my opinion was that this horse would win. This horse would make the try, and I had no opinion on on the third position. I used my. I used all, and, and sure enough, I got a 20-to-1 shot home. And by the way, a 99-to-1 shot ran fourth. <laughs> if that horse makes the try, we may not be here. <laughs> we could be in Las Vegas or in the, in the Caribbean somewhere sipping a Mai Tai. I mean, yeah, so the all button can uh, – I'm okay with it. It's not, it's not something I would, I would get married to. Then you're going to lose a lot of money. But if your opinion is that you don't like – the top choices, and you don't know about the rest, then it's worth an occasional play, in my view. I'll piggyback on the idea that if I'm leaving out two, I'd prefer to be leaving out two at the top of the market as opposed to the bottom of the market. Great point. Agree. And I hate the inefficiency of the all ball, but, you know, if you can have the time and or software help to construct the right tickets where you're waiting the all, this situation to me felt like it could have been a weighted all, or, you know, you play one ticket with all and then another where you come back and press uh, a couple of the runners. I got caught in between. Let's go back for one more note on race number two, just because you're not feeling bad enough already, and you did mention that super. The original thing you said to me when I asked you your opinion of the second race was Dark Hawk to be in the super. If you'd played the super, did you see what it paid for 10 cents? That's I would have had it. I, I didn't. Do, do, do I want to know? $863.52 for a dime. For a dime. For a dime. A dime well, for a dime almost. The, the, the one thing I will say, though, is, is that I – you see that scene in, in Let It Ride where – he just stands there, and these $50 tickets just keep coming up in any because he's bet so much money. He's let it ride, and it's just <laughs> – So I hit the try enough to where I'm, I'm okay about not having the suit. I think that's the right attitude. I was just giving you a hard time. I know. Cause, yeah, I, I, I'm I an easy target these days. I, I couldn't help but punching down in that situation. All right. That's it. Uh, camp, kids camp is almost over here, so we've got to wrap this thing. But, Benny, I want to thank you so much for all the time you spent on the In The Money Network this week. We're going to have you back on soon. You got it, Pete, anytime. Excellent. That's going to do it. Well, thanks, Spencer Lugenbuehl. First and foremost, apologies to him for uh, uh, not getting him, not managing to get him on this show today. Um, but that was really my fault. I, I said the bit about letting him off the hook, but it, it's honestly, he wanted to do the show, and I forgot the cord that I needed to. Anyway, you don't need to know all that. But anyway, sorry, Spencer. Thank you. You're doing a great job. Love this concept that you've pioneered, and I love the opportunity to sit in your chair from time to time. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. In The Money Media's business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal, and we will see you next time.